Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I have Jenna Johnson on again from Here USA, Kalispell. And I wanted to bring her back because we had so many things that we could talk about in terms of hearing because hearing is overlooked so much in the health industry. And even I admit, I haven't put as much effort into it. And now Jenna's changed my mind, but I've also really thought about how can we help folks really think about hearing as it impacts your social life, how it impacts your connection to the world, how it impacts your brain health. So on this second episode with Jenna, we're going to be going into how decreased hearing really can impact your feeling in this world and, and, and your connection and even as far as your mood. So this is something I really want you guys to be thinking about as you listen to this podcast. Could possible hearing you know, deprivation things, not necessarily a full hearing problem, be causing you to step back and not connect with folks like you would in the past. So let's introduce you to Jenna Johnson. Hey, Health Junkies, I have Jenna Johnson back on again today, and we're going to be talking about how hearing impacts our overall health. And it's something that we don't talk about we you know we have all these fancy things for longevity we have all these fancy things for optimizing our health but oftentimes you know when I think about it, I'm like hearing isn't in those protocols and and so I brought Jenna back to talk about how hearing can impact lots of things from brain function and more so Jenna welcome back to the health fix podcast thank you I'm excited to be back Yes, we had such a great talk last time. And I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's I, I didn't think about hearing so much and, and you don't think about it till you have an issue. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, now what do I do? And of course, you know, my husband jokes that I have selective hearing. I joke that he also does. We go back and forth on it. But, you know, I'm getting older. So I think it is important for us to kind of go down that route and really think about it. And so many people are talking about hearing and its impact on your 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 cognition and and mental health. So I would love to hear like like pick your brain on it just in general. Tell it tell us tell us everything you know. We want to know it all. Absolutely. So you touched on two main things right there. You said how it affects just brain overall function, but also how it affects us mentally, emotionally, which those are two, yes, they go together, but two different things. And so we will definitely dive into both. Um, the first thing is, and if, if everybody could see me right now, I wish that was possible so that I could explain the way that we hear with our brain, but Google it. Um, long story short, sound goes into our ears, the sounds crossed over and our brain processes it. So we think, oh, we hear with our ears. Our ears are the mechanism that gets the sound waves to the brain, but really the hearing is processed in the brain. It's what tells us which direction it comes from, where sounds are localizing. You know, if you, uh, this sounds so silly, but if you go outside and you hear a plane go over, we can all look up to the right and go, oh, it's right there. But if you plug one ear, it doesn't matter which ear's not plugged. It's going to feel like it's on that side, regardless of where it's from. And so our hearing works with both ears together as a team with the brain to not only process these are the words I'm speaking. This is what you should hear me say, but it goes so much deeper than that into where sounds are coming from, the different tones, the different pitches. And so having your auditory system and your brain work together optimally is huge. So with it, you know, I always tell people it's like any other muscle of our body, right? If we don't use the brain, if we don't keep it active, we don't stimulate it we're going to start to lose it at a quicker pace. And that is the key with the hearing. We talked last time that on average, people wait seven years from, hey, I'm not hearing what I think I should be to coming into the office. That's a long time to go with your brain not hearing or localizing or hearing the full effect of what we should be more than just speech, but environmental sounds as well. So it's huge. 
I always say, you know, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And we like the example I use for my patients all the time is if you're a bodybuilder and you hurt your arm and it's got to be in a sling for four months, you can't just get out of the sling and go lift the same amount of weight that you had been. That's going to atrophy and you've got to retrain it back to using it and how to, you know, that muscle mass, you've got to get it back. Our auditory system and the way that we hear with our brain is no different. And so I always tell people that's a huge part of my job is adequately and appropriately retraining your brain to hear what it should be hearing and to get it back used to hearing how it was. Like that's huge. Cause you, I mean, like I'm mind blown on like seven years. I thought about that and I'm like, what is degrading in seven years in terms of that time frame that passes? Holy cow. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, there have been a lot of research and studies done recently with hearing loss affecting our memory and our cognitive abilities. And a lot of that, quite frankly, is just that we're not getting the stimulation that we should be to keep it all active and working together. Um, you know, I, I've had patients come in and their kids or their spouse will be like, man, they're just not hearing me. And they're not memory, they're not remembering things. I think that there's more going on. And sometimes it is just the hearing. Cause if you can't hear, how can you remember? You don't know what was said to you. Um, so it can go both ways. I'm not saying, you know, if, if you have hearing loss, oh, there's other memory issues happening too, but it is one of those things that it can be that snowball of, if we don't keep the auditory system stimulated, we start to see that atrophy happening, it can create other issues with memory down the road. I think a lot of people don't, I mean, even with the recent research, I mean, it's not like the forefront of, you know, everyone's mind in terms of what happens. And so I'm even thinking about how you were mentioning, you know, if one ear kind of has a deficit compared to the other and a plane's going, I'm thinking about safety, like cars coming up on you. Or, you know, walking on, on a sidewalk, but someone, you know, veers off the road and ends up on the sidewalk. Safety seems to be a big, big issue. Absolutely. And obviously, depending on if it's no hearing that in that ear or just one hearing loss and one normal hearing, there's different things we can do to help that. But the, the whole thing is we want both ears working together with the brain when we can. And so to get that leveled out so that it's not a safety issue, so that it is bounced between both ears is key. Oh. And I'm also thinking about balance as a whole, because now we have, you know, the nervous system, of course, is connected there in terms of our balance. How, how have you seen that play out if someone has compromised hearing in one ear and, or even both and, and how it ties into yeah. balance? I actually had a patient last month that was that exact situation. She came in and she's like, Hey, I think I might be going crazy, but hear me out. And I was like, okay, I love when patients start like that. Like, let's, I like a good challenge. Right. And I was like, tell me what's going on. She's like, I have had to use a cane. I have all these balance issues. I've in fact fallen twice and no one can figure out why. And she said, I think it's related to my hearing. So we started talking and had this dialogue of all these questions and when did it start and what happened and what do you feel contributed to it? And sure enough, I did the hearing test and she had an asymmetric hearing loss. So it was different in either ear. We fit her with hearing aids. And that was the first thing that she said when she came back for her first week follow-up was I feel so much more stable. And it was interesting because without me even prompting, she said, I really think it's because I'm hearing everything around me. And I'm just that much more in tune to my surroundings that I feel more grounded now. It's like, bingo, there you go. You feel more grounded. So therefore you're more stable. And she said, you know, you and I talked about things like, don't just stand up quickly and start going you know, get your stability first. It, we talked through all sorts of things, you know, obviously um, hearing's not unique or specific to elderly, but typically it's a part of the aging process. And so I always like to talk to patients about the whole, the whole spectrum, right? It's not just hearing, it's things do change as you get older. We all know that. And so we talked through those things of, you know, 
grab your balance before you just start going. You can't just stand up and run like you used to when you were younger. But she truly, after a week with the hearing aid said, I feel so much more grounded and stable and I'm more aware of all of my surroundings and my bounce is better. Still using a cane, you know, I didn't want to, I was like, still use your cane. Let's not just forget that. Obviously you and your family decided that that's what you need. Keep using it. But she felt the difference in her confidence to get around. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I think about it in terms of, obviously it's one of our senses, right? And so we do navigate based on what we can hear. And, you know, I, I'm like thinking about it, for example, last night, you know, we're, we're in the, the cabin, different place somewhere I'm not used to, and I'm hearing the different noises. And, and you think about your environment related to the noises that you hear. So if you're not hearing all those noises like you used to, I, I imagine that still there's some sensory inputs that might be putting you in like a fight or flight situation or an abnormally chill. I don't know. What do you, what do you know about that? Like, I'd love to hear about the fight or flight system and like the vagus nerve kind of stuff. So the fight or flight with hearing, in my opinion, at least, is going to be more when it's sudden. So we talked about this last time that it's something that happens so gradually. Most of us don't realize it. Mm -hmm. So like in the example you just used of being in a cabin and not hearing noises, if you gradually lost that, you're not even going to know that there's noises that you're not hearing. Right. So that's going to be more when it's a sudden hearing loss. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I can't hear anything. It does happen. It can happen. It's not common. Um, you know, I've been in my clinic, it will be 15 years in October and I've maybe had a sudden hearing loss three times in 15 years. Um, so it's not like it happens frequently. Um, so eh, that's going to be one of those things where it's, that's a pretty unique situation. Um, but obviously noises are part of our environments. And like you said, it's one of the senses it's important. It's how we know, when someone's walking down the hall towards us, or like I said, the airplane's going over. Um, we just got done being out of cabin for the week of 4th of July. And, you know, one of our favorite things to do is sit around the fire. And what do you hear? And the, you know, the wind in the trees and the birds singing and the chipmunks chipping and all of these things that you think, man, that's part of the enjoyment of being in that environment if you didn't hear it or you only heard half of it, yes, you don't know what you're not hearing, but at the same time, it's part of that enjoyment, um, which leads me into what you said. The second kind of part of it is mentally, how does this affect you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about all your senses, they're created to work together. One's not more important than another, but hearing is what connects us to people and things. And so for me, I love being outside. If I'm sitting around that fire, I want to hear the nature noises. That's what connects me to it. Um, you know, for some it's music for some, it's their feet on the asphalt as they run, but those sounds are what make us feel connected. You know, you're at the cabin with your family. You want to hear the kids playing. You want to hear people laughing when they're playing games. Um, you want to be connected in conversations. And so it all for me is full circle when we talk about hearing and memory and emotional well-being. Because if you can't sit and have a conversation with your family, what do you do? You start to pull back. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and, it, you know, you think about it. We all probably have experienced that if you're in your mid thirties or older with a grandparent or an aunt and uncle, or even our parents now, um, where you're together and you're at the family cabin and everybody's laughing and you just kind of see one person sneak to the back and just sit there. That affects our emotions, right? You can't be engaged with the kids like you used to. You can't be part of the conversation. And so whether it's kind of that, just sit back and sneak into the back corner or the smile and nod and kind of just, ha, 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 yeah. And you have no clue what they said that affects us. So that affects our brain in multiple ways, you know, from how happy we are to be there to how engaged we are to the actual hearing and the auditory stimulation that's happening or not happening. So it is full circle. 
It is. It is. And, you know, I think this is an important time for folks to kind of think about, like, are there some things that I've heard, you know, that I enjoyed hearing in the past that I can't hear right now? Or even asking, you know, your your family members, like, I know my dad definitely will will kind of shrink back from, from all of us because he'll be like, oh, I'm tired. And you're like, okay, I know you're not tired. It's, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, maybe you need a nap, but like, you're just trying to peace out so you don't have to listen, you know, like try to try to listen to what we're saying because you can't hear it. Well, it's exhausting. And it's, you know, I might have said this last time we talked. I had a patient, this was years and years ago. She came in and she was just a jokester in general. And she said, you just made me 20 years younger. And I said, what? And she's like, seriously, she's like, I did not realize how hard I was working to hear. She said, first of all, I was straining my neck forward. I was so concentrated on what everybody was saying because I didn't want to look like an idiot and miss out on something. And she said, the funny thing is now I realize I'm more relaxed. I'm sitting back. I'm more a part of it. And she said, I feel like it's weird, but I'm sleeping better. I'm waking up more rested. Now that's a really extreme situation, but it's true. It's exhausting to try to hear And so if we can't, a lot of times we almost just give up and step back and that messes with us mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I hate to blame everything on COVID. I hate that it all goes back to that phase of life. But what I saw during that time is, especially in the general area of ages that I work with, the 55 and older, we almost isolated ourselves. And what I'm seeing now, three years later, is we're still isolating because we didn't have that auditory stimulation. We weren't in those conversations. And now a lot of people aren't getting back to doing them still. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, my lifestyle changed. It's just easier to stay at home now. It's like, well, okay. Is that because of the hearing though? You know, you came into me for a reason. If you could hear better, would you go back to those meetings? Would you start going to lunch again with your girlfriends? Uh, It's almost like it gave us a convenient excuse just to not have to be social. And it's sad to me because I've almost seen this like new wave of, um, and I don't say this lightly, but it's almost like there's this new wave of depression that I have never seen to this extent in this age group. You know, these are the retired, we we always call them fancy ladies, but retired fancy ladies who go to lunch and volunteer at the schools and are the, you know, the fill and grandparents at the daycares. And now they're not wanting to do anything because they were isolated. They were home. They didn't have that stimulation. And now it's almost like they don't, they're nervous to be social again, because they know their hearings changed. That's a good point. You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of um, truth in that. I, I think I've seen that in in quite a few of my patients too, who who may have been part of the fancy ladies club, or were just getting there um, at the the beginning of the pandemic, and and now yeah, they're, they're feeling more isolated. I have had quite you know now that you mentioned that, it's like you know I have seen more folks in in that department and hearing is a great, you know, thing to think about. And, and I think this is great for, you know, everyone listening, looking at your, your family members, your friends, you know, just folks in your social circles, um, and also passing it on to other folks, because yeah, that's, you know, light bulbs are going on all over for me right now. Cause I'm like, gosh, you know, I have seen that too. So, I mean, this is, this is important because the more we can socialize and feel comfortable socializing now we're also working on the brain. Absolutely. And, you know, we always, I feel like one of the things that's come out in the last few years, which you probably have a better gauge on a timeline than me is, you know, keep your brain function, do the Sudoku, do the word puzzles, do the, the things that keep your brain active. Right. And I think that we, when we start to isolate and pull back, we forget that a lot of keeping your brain active is also hearing things, keeping your auditory system and your brain stimulated and functioning together. And so, you know, I hear all the time, well, there's just no one to talk to. That's great. I'm not saying watch TV, but turn on music, 
Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I love to have patients do, and and one of the things I try to do in my life is turn on a song, a song you're familiar with. And I I don't know, meditate, meditate's not the right word, but take that moment to meditate and focus on the song and really try to pick out each word. Most of us don't know each word of the lyrics, and that's a very hard task. And I don't have people do that to be like, oh, I can't hear it all because I don't hear every song lyric. It's hard. But to try to retrain your brain to pick out the nuances of the music and to keep that auditory stimulation, um, it's one of the reasons why I love podcasts. It's one of the reasons why I love books on tape is without having to be social or having to have someone that you live with, you can keep your brain and your auditory system functioning and working together. Like Mm -hmm. I said, in the beginning, if you think of it like a muscle, you've got to keep it all active in that processing. Um, You know, when we do new patient evaluations, there's several tests that we do, but we test how the inner ear is working, how the middle ear is working. And then we do word tests. And that for me is my counseling tool. Because that tells me how are your ears getting the sound to your brain and can your brain process the sounds quickly and correctly? Can you repeat back the words at a level that you should be able to? Because that sets us up for success of how successful you're going to be with the hearing devices. But it also is a gauge for me to know, you know, if a patient's word thresholds have changed, it gives me the counseling tools to say, hey, we need more support. You're not getting the auditory function and stimulation like you should be. Let's try something different. And so all of those things, the podcast, the music, the books on tape, without having to have a conversation with someone, keep it all functioning in our brain and auditory system communicating essentially. That's cool too. That's cool too. I'm like, okay, I'm visualizing this test that you're talking about, the word test. Is it like you're listening to someone say different words in different ways or how does that work? I'm just curious how that test works. Yeah. So in our office, we have a recorded word list. So it's a man's voice and he prompts the patients to say, say a word, the word, and then it will give them a word to repeat. Uh, And Patients are always like, oh, is it going to be a weird accent? Is it going to, no, it's a recorded voice so that it's consistent and it's at a certain level, right? My whole goal is that they can repeat back the words at a hundred percent. But that way it's consistent with all the providers in our office. It's there and it's a man's voice, not a higher pitch, softer woman's voice. Um, But the goal is not to flunk patients or to be like, oh, you can't hear the goal is to be consistent and see what they can repeat at the level that they should be able to hear at, at what's an audible level for them. Um, so like I said, it's really my counseling tool to be able to say, you know, your word percentage was a little bit lower. That just means we've got to get your brain back to hearing and we've got to get you the help you need versus, yeah, you're, you're still firing in all syllables. It's just that your ears aren't getting the sound of the brain that you need to hear. Hmm. This makes me think about my dad. A lot of times I have to spell to him what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. And I know it's his hearing, but I also was thinking, well, maybe it's my cell phone. You know, maybe I don't have good reception. And then the other thing that he says to me, which probably a lot of people feel like this, he tells me I slur my words and I don't speak well. And I'm like, dad, I'm pretty sure that most people can understand me. Um, You know, it's, I laugh. I used to get pretty upset, but I'm guessing you've heard this before. Out mm-hmm. folks. What did your dad do for a career? <laughs> Part-time race car driver. And the other part was excavating. So lots of damage. Lots of noise. So what you just explained, which obviously this is not my diagnosis. I've not tested his hearing. I've not looked in his ears, nothing, but knowing what you just explained and what his career was, it would make sense that he's telling you those things. Chances are it's a high frequency hearing loss. So he can hear things. He just can't understand the nuances of the words. So when he says things like, oh, it sounds like you're slurring, or could you spell that? 
pay attention. It's probably the words that are the higher, softer consonants. So the TH, the S, the F, the CH means numbers are going to be more difficult. Did you say fifth or sixth? Those sound very similar if you say them quickly and not that you're slurring, but it's not as de defined as five. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so, with temperatures and stuff, we're the same. We'll be like, I'll be like five, zero, it's five, zero out versus six, zero or whatever. I have to say the numbers. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so chances are being a race car driver and an excavator, that's a lot of noise. And so chances are it's those high frequencies that are missing or aren't where they should be. And so that's going to be your birds, your children, your women, like I said, all of the distinction of what's being spoken when. So, you know, if you say ball, he's going to hear you with no problem. If you say she sells seashells, it's going to be more difficult for him to pick that out and know what you're saying. Um, you know, things like face and when you talk, the less background noise that's there, the better he's going to understand it. Um, but now I'm very curious. It'd be interesting to do a hearing test on them and see what it's like. Um, but that would be my assumption mm -hmm. just based off of what you shared. But that all would make perfect sense. I think he'd have no problem coming out to Kalispell. <laughs> he would be happy right. to come out and hang out because yeah, he he's he's hilarious, you know, and 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 I think, you know, what I experience with him, a lot of folks are probably experiencing with their parents right now and getting frustrated. I'm so used to it because it's not, I mean, yes, it's progressed, but it's been this way since I was in my 20s, you know, always having to say the numbers out, always having to explain things. But, you know, more more so now because of the cell phone communication, it it is it is hard. And um, I think for a lot of people, I think what I'm experiencing isn't anything different and maybe we could save some relationships <laughs> because absolutely you know with the I bet you've had some husbands and wives who've like have been hilarious in your office give us some stories <laughs> oh we used to joke around of like my name tag does not say marriage counselor it says hearing instrument specialist like I can help with the hearing but I'm not here to like get in the middle of your guys's problems and it's true, like, I could tell you story after story of like, I, I, I said this, and they thought that and it had nothing to do with the topic we were even speaking of. You know, I mentioned this earlier, a lot of times we get the I told you that mm -hmm. it's like, well, no, you didn't. It's like, no, I, I told you that twice yesterday. And it gets confused for those memory issues sometimes of like, why are you not remembering when it easily can be you just didn't hear it. Um, you know, the biggest thing I would say, and I can get into funny stories if you want me to, but the biggest thing I can say is, yes, you're used to it. And yes, it's what you know, and you've all adapted. But what happens is your dad, for example, just goes on without life and doesn't even think about it. And what you don't realize is maybe you and your other family members are making all of these exceptions for him and helping him out that it almost becomes like a crutch of like, Oh, I just know they'll repeat. Mm -hmm. And what we see is when your dad comes and gets help, he in the same light just gets, goes, Oh, this is now normal. I'm used to it. And all of you still make those helping things to him. Um, you know, my favorite is when spouses come in and they're like, I said, and they're like, stop yelling at me. I can hear better now. And they turn and talk to me and they're like, Hey, Jenna, I was going to ask you, like, we're not from this part of town. Where's your favorite place to eat lunch? And then they turn to their spouse and they're like, but where do you want to go to lunch? And they're like, stop yelling. So they don't even realize that they talk normal to me. They turn to their spouse and they automatically are programmed to just speak louder so that they can hear. Mm -hmm. And so we don't realize what we do for our loved ones to make sure that they hear everything they should. Now, to that, you know, there can be good and bad in that, right? You guys go out to eat with lunch with your dad, put him in the corner of the restaurant. Don't put his back to the restaurant. 
If there's a wall behind them, he's going to hear way better than if there's all the noise behind them. So you can do things like that to help out. But when you start to repeat and speak louder, that doesn't really help them. And then when they do get help and you still do it, it's like this bad habit that now you didn't even have the hearing difficulty, but now you're having to break the bad habits and your dad's all of a sudden just enjoying life. (laughs) Yeah, I've enabled for a very, very long time. And to the point where it's funny you mentioned about speaking loudly because my husband is like, every time you come back from being down at your dad's is like it's like you're yelling at me the entire time I'm like I'm not okay maybe I am yeah (laughs) and we don't realize we do it right it just is what happens (laughs) it is it is and and so I know I'm not alone and and this is something that I I love calling myself out on things so folks can hear you know what may be happening in life, you know, the realities, let's put it that way. And so really, I mean, obviously the point here is that by enabling the individual, we're, we're not helping them out um, at all because now we're just contributing to their, their hearing decline. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, obviously my goal is to help folks to understand how much this impacts their, their longevity, because obviously you had mentioned like mood, you know, so much Mm -hmm living a long, happy life is having, you know, social interaction and, and gosh, that's so hard when that's not happening. So what else, you know, can, can we give folks in terms of an insight in terms of how not hearing can be really affecting, you know, the, the body as a whole, like entire body systems. What else do we not talk about is what I'm getting at. What else do you know? Tell us. It affects everything. This is my thing. It affects everything from your personal enjoyment to your communication and relationship with family to really, I mean, it can affect your job performance. I, I just whole body. It's obviously one of the five senses, right? Like we've got to focus on it and keep our auditory system and brain stimulated. And I know I sound like a broken record, but that is the main thing is how do we process sound? How do we localize sound? Um, but it is hearing's what connects us to the world. And I love that. You know, I got asked years ago, why do I do what I do? And it honestly is to connect people back to their life. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what we're missing or how hard it is to not hear until you can hear it again. And so I know we talked about this last time, but having your hearing as part of your annual exams that you do as part of your prevention system, if you will, is key in my opinion. You know, we always say 55 and older should be having it tested every year, preferably, if not every other year, if there's no problems. Uh, But staying on top of it and just being aware Um, I don't want to freak people out or make people worried that, oh my gosh, am I losing my hearing when I'm not? But it is important and we do have to focus on it. And it's not something that's talked about a ton at this point. It's, it's one of those things that it is forgotten. It's not, you know, like I said, I hate using COVID as the crutch, but at least where I live, we're still seeing the repercussions of all the depression and the anxiety that's coming out of that phase. And I'm not saying that it is or isn't that time of life, but is that just the excuse we're using when it could be, has your hearing just changed in three years? What is your social life like in the last three years? You know, we want to be so quick to put blame on one thing that happened and it was a big thing. And I'm not discrediting that season of life, but are we looking at what else has happened? You know, are, had, did your diet change during that time? Did you stop working out during that time? What is affecting the mood and the depression? And so part of that, that we need to start bringing awareness to is simply, has your hearing changed? It's been a three-year period. You know, I, at least in my lifetime, I've never had a specific timeline that I can say, oh, well, in the last three years, you know what I mean? Like we all, uh, oh, when I got married, 
X amount of years ago, but it feels so different to have that like almost medical timeline of like, yeah, in the last three years, my medically I blah, blah, blah. And so I think that just being more aware of the hearing and adding it into something that's top of mind. And the unfortunate part is even for most medical doctors, which is why I love having these conversations with you is I know it's something that you're looking at is full body. Um, but last week I had a lady come in who came in telling me <laughs> she had a sudden hearing loss on the left side and she just didn't know what was happening. And the scary part to me, which yes, I have followed up since <laughs> the scary part to me was she was a physician referral. And so I'm sitting here talking to her and she's like, yeah, my left ear, there's just a lot of pain and it just feels so full and it just hurts. And like, there's moments where it's like clear and almost pops and then it's painful and I can't hear. And I said, well, was it sudden or was it gradual? And she was like, no, it was pretty sudden, like in a 24 hour period. And I'm like, oh gosh, like I'm thinking, did you get a virus and is your auditory system being attacked? And are you going to lose that? And I looked in her ear and she had one of the biggest, deepest wax impactions I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, I have really good news for you. And I have a lot more questions now. I was like, the good news is your right ear's clean, clear, eardrum's beautiful. So that explains why the right side's fine. I said, your left ear is completely plugged with wax. And the sense of relief that came over her was incredible. But my follow-up question to her was this, your physician sent you here. Did they look in your ears? And she was like, no. And I was like, uh, okay. I said, I'm not discrediting your doctor. I, I'm sure they're fantastic. But I said, that alarms me that you went in for a sudden left hearing loss and pain and pressure. And they didn't even look in it. They just sent you to me because I'm the specialist. So I say that to say, it's not even something that our medical community is thinking of. And so to just be aware of hearing is huge and why I'm loving that these conversations are starting to happen because it affects everything, but it's not something we think about. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, stuff like that is common and and we've mentioned COVID. I'm going to say, I'm going to be honest, because you had said like a viral infection hitting the ear. I mean, I've seen it with COVID. And I've seen it multiple times, even now, um, three years out, I've got some patients who were, were seeing stuff, even with the their infections they have now. And yeah, I mean, yes, wax is always a possibility, always something to think about. But yes, yeah, sudden hearing loss to me is, oh my God, is your drum, like, did the drum rupture? Is it bleeding? You know, for me, we're definitely going to be looking in that ear. And so if folks are listening to this, ask your doc to look in your ear. That's yes. step step one. Cause sometimes we, I mean, and, and yeah, no, no dis disrespect to the doc, you know, they're probably not thinking in that regard. They were thinking in a different direction and that's okay. That happens, but you know, we all think about it. We, we can all be proactive and, and say, Hey, will you look in my ear though? Just, just to make sure, um, just to make sure everything's okay. Cause I've had people, you know, I've been thinking different directions and they're like, Hey, look at my ear. Like, look, please look at my ear. Yeah. Okay. You know, we'll get there. So you know, if your doc doesn't respond well to that, then you need a new doc. Um, we work for you. So, you know, this is something, something to think about, but, you know, I think a lot of people too, with viral stuff and, and, and what I've heard too, out of a lot of younger folks in, in terms of hearing is, Hey, I, I had tubes as a kid or, Hey, I had, you know, just a lot of ear infections, never got to the point with tubes. What do I need to be thinking about as I move into my 40s and beyond? So what's kind of preventative stuff? Because I've never, you know, it's not talked about in the medical community as to what to do with someone that had a history of chronic infections as a kid. And now they're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I would say the biggest thing is consistent hearing tests. You know, just because you had ear infections as a kid doesn't mean you're going to have hearing loss sooner just because you had tubes doesn't mean you have hearing loss now. There's all sorts of different reasons for those. You know, me personally, I had no ear infections at all as a child. 
and I hit 25 and I got my first double ear infection and now I get them at least once a year. I have no clue why that's very abnormal as an adult, but that's my life. It has not affected my hearing at all, but I also once a year test my hearing to make sure that things aren't changing. Um, and so if you've had that history, you know, I know for me, my biggest thing with my ears is cold and water. I don't dive like I used to, you know, I grew up around lakes and I love swimming in lakes. I just do my best to keep my head above the water now, because I know for me, the water, a it's painful after my ear infections. Um, but I feel like it also has a tendency to aggravate my ears more. And I don't want to do that. Um, the other thing for me is cold. I try to have a stocking hat in the winter that covers my ears because it's not comfortable. Um, for me personally, having the car windows down, my husband and I love not having the AC on and driving with the windows down, but if it's too loud or cold or too high of a speed, it will hurt. And we roll up the windows. So those are things that I feel, feel like are pretty common when you have a history of ear infections. Um, I guess all of that to say everybody's different with the tubes and the ear infections. My biggest thing, if that history has been there, typically they'll know those things, right? Like I know for me, what my triggers are that aggravate my ears. And I know that they're not the same, but that doesn't necessarily mean my hearing has changed. Um, but what I always say is just get it tested. You know, we all, and I, I don't like to use this example often because it is different, but we all do other things yearly. <laughs> we all go get our teeth cleaned twice a year, but most of us never think about the hearing until it's an issue. Most of us get our eyes checked. I know for me, until I needed glasses, it was every two years my doctor wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't think about adding the hearing in there just as a prevention. And so I, especially if you know that you have a history with tubes or you have a history with ear infections and you're like me and there are those triggers, why not just go get it tested? Most places do complimentary hearing tests or they're not expensive or they're covered by your insurance. Um, but it's worth it just to have that baseline and know. Um, that's my biggest thing is I don't want them to get worse. I want to be consistent and on top of it. Um, and with that, you know, this is a little bit off the topic of the tubes and the ear infections, but with that, anything that you can do to save your hearing. So like, I know with my infections, what triggers my ears to hurt and that pain, I also try to do everything to protect the hearing. And this is one thing I tell my patients often is just because you can't hear it, just because your dad was a race car driver and the cars probably aren't as loud to him as they are to me because there's, I'm assuming that damage there doesn't mean he can't hear it. Doesn't mean that there's not that damage still happening. So anytime you're around a loud noise and you have to yell over it to be heard, we should be protecting our ears. And so, you know, the cars, the lawnmowers, the uh, chainsaws, any kind of those noises that is more than just like a quick, easy cut with a saw, we should be protecting it. And that's one of the things I think we don't think about either. We're younger and, oh, it's not that loud. Oh, my hearing's fine. I'm young. And so it's not even an issue. Well, if you protect it when you're young, it's going to be better when you're older or you're older and that damage is there. And you're like, oh, it's not even that loud. Well, just because it's not loud to you doesn't mean it's still not causing damage. And so it, we see it from both sides, but that's one of the main things is like protect your hearing as much as you can. No, I mean, it's incredibly important. Um, I can see where people wouldn't want to do it. Like at a concert, you might feel a little strange, you know, with with like earmuffs on. But I'm guessing that you have some things that you recommend that can be a little less profile than the, the old uh, <laughs> earmuffs. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that you can do. You know, you can just use the foam plugs. Um, I use those a lot of times. We love concerts, but they are so loud. The foam plugs, I don't love for things like construction because you have to get a good seal in order for them to really protect it. 
But for something like a concert, I feel like they provide enough of a protection that it takes away the loud, harsh, but that I can still hear it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, for any kind of construction work or loud noises that you're around, we do do custom protection. Oh, cool. So depending on what you're doing, we can do custom musician plugs. We can do custom ear protection plugs. Most of them will have a filter in them that you can hear conversation or you can have music. But if a sound gets to a high enough decibel, depending on what filter we put in, it will clamp it down and protect it. Um, so there are custom options like that. Uh, we have locally, we have a company called Trusted Gear and they have all sorts of um, clothing and equipment for more of the construction type jobs. They have an amazing line of hearing protection in there. Um, any sporting goods store should, but I feel like at least in our area, the local one has a higher quality and a better fit without coming in and being custom. Uh, so there's all sorts of options. No, that's good to hear. You know, one of the things I think about, yes, concerts, shooting ranges, you know, that's another big area that I've heard people have, have trouble with. Um, races, I still go to them with my dad. Obviously, he's not racing anymore, but we still go. And and yeah, being in the pits, it's loud. Um, we don't have a race car at the house anymore. But even then, when they would fire the engine off and oh, my goodness, you know, I'd be sitting there like, yeah. You know, having something that's custom to you though, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. And so here USA, your location or all the locations do the all, all the locations have them. Yep. So you can go into any here USA, let them know that you're interested in some custom plugs. They'll take impressions of your ears and send off and get them made. And if they don't fit or whatnot, obviously we'll see you back and we'll make it right. Um, but typically we can get a good fit the first time and depending on what your need depends on what kind of plug, um, we can do them for swimming. We can do them for music. We can do them for noise. Uh, we have, I have a lot of patients that just use them for the shooting purposes, quite frankly. Um, in which in that case we do a solid plug. Uh, I have a few patients that have them for sleeping. Their spouse is a loud snorer. And so they want sleeping plugs. Um, there's all sorts of different options of what we can do. And any here USA location can help with that. That's cool. I mean, I think that would save a lot of grief for folks, especially with the snoring, but for just having ones that are, are tailored to you, I, I think that's really neat. And it's something that's not talked about much either, because I think we only think like most of us are like thinking in the big earmuff situation or like the little, you know, foam plugs that, that are more mainstream and, yeah. and never, they don't seem to fit my ears. I always feel like I get an earache from them. Well, and that's what I was saying earlier with the foam plugs. I all use them like at a concert if it's my only option, but they don't rarely do they fit down like they should to protect. And a lot of times if you notice when you take them out, there'll almost be like a, a crease in them. And you're like, well, if there's that crease, was it even sealing off my ear canal to protect from the loud noises, but those are the most common kind. And I think it's, they're the most common kind because they're cheap and they're throwaway and employers can buy them by bulk. Um, but we've talked to several local businesses and have basically just said, what would you think about getting all of your guys a custom pair? You do one of X amount of years. And if they lose them and want to replace them, they buy the next pair. If it's not out of that period, but then you don't have to buy the disposable ones. And they're so much happier with them because they do fit and they do protect their ears. No, I, I love that. I, I, I'm like, I'm in, I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm out by, by your neck of the woods next. I'm, we're me. See me. I'm definitely getting some, cause I, th I think it's important, you know, and, and it's one of those things, like I've said 4,000 times during this podcast that we are overlooking this stuff and gosh, you know, no one wants to be the older person. That's like, what, huh? You know, none of us want to do that. Um, and especially in our forties and, and at this stage of the game, I mean, I think this is the time where we have the ability to prevent a lot of the hearing loss that happens. What, what do you know about data in terms of this age range and prevention for, is there any studies at all from like, if you act now, what can, what can it look like for you into the eighties and beyond? 
Well, there's so many different factors that go into that, that it, I mean, no, there's not like a given age because your career or your genetics, all of that plays into it. Right. I always tell everybody that hearing's like gray hair. Some of us get it in our twenties and some of us may never get it. Hearing loss is the same way. It's going to happen to us at some point. It's just a matter of, does it happen in your fifties or does it happen in your eighties, nineties? Mm-hmm. The things that contribute that other than aging <laughs> are genetics and your noise environment. And so the more you can protect and be on top of your hearing in your forties and fifties, the better it will be for the future. Um, and just because someone in your family has hearing loss does not mean that you will, you know, your dad's is probably, uh, probably not genetic. It's probably noise environment. It sounds like he had very loud careers for a long time and <laughs> racing is loud. No matter how much you protect, it's loud. And it all goes over the decibel levels and the amount of time that you should be exposed with or without protection. Right. And so just because he's struggling at his age or he's struggling, like you said, years ago at a younger age, doesn't mean at that young of an age, you will. Um, I get asked often, well, what caused my hearing? And it's like, well, it's probably a combination of things. You've been a construction worker for years and have been using all the loud equipment. Probably it is a little bit hereditary and you also are aging You know, it's not rarely is hearing something I can just put my finger on and say, well, this right here caused it. Now you do get those random situations that you can do that. Um, But all of that to say, when you protect your hearing and when you stay on top of your hearing and you keep your auditory system stimulated in your forties and fifties, you're going to slow down the progression of it. The same goes for if you have a hearing loss and you're proactive and you re you get hearing technology and you stimulate your brain, you're going to slow down the progression of hearing more, losing more hearing at a quicker pace. When we activate that auditory system and when we keep our brain working together with it, we slow down the ability. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I can see, you know, in so many different angles where we could be slowing things down by stimulating ourselves, right? But I can also see where, like, hey, if you're going to a concert and or if you're, you know, going to a race car race or if you're going shooting or, you know, I'm thinking like lawnmower, you know, all the things that, that we take for granted, I think, with our hearing. I think any of these things could, could, we could do a lot of prevention just, just there. I mean, I, I do think as, as I've gotten older, I mean, I was exposed to the race cars as a kid, no ear protection. My parents didn't know, you know, I mean, I did have muffs for like two years and I'd rip them off all the time anyway. So it, you know, <laughs> little, exactly. you know, so I, I have a feeling that things are going to be declining at some point. So I just want folks to kind of think about it and look at your exposures, look at what you're up to and consider you know yeah all the options all the things my goodness so much to it and I would just encourage you that if you you know that go get a baseline now it doesn't mean that you're having difficulties or you're having issues with your hearing just because you go get a baseline but at least you have that and you know oh yeah I'm totally normal I don't need to worry about it I'll come back and get it tested in a couple years Or, you know, hey, there's one or two frequencies that are out, but it's not a concern at this point. But here are some things you need to do. Protect your ears more often. (laughs) Baby them. You know, stimulate your auditory system more frequently. Listen to music or podcasts more in the background. Whatever it might be. Makes sense. It makes sense. I think my dad and I will be making a road trip out um we'll we'll have to do like a live podcast so that folks can hear hear the thing go down of me getting my ears checked because I know I know there's going to be something that'll show up I'm I'm convinced because there have been times where I've noticed like in in very loud situations and in restaurants when there's a lot of people talking I will tend to be like yeah well and 
It can be, you know, we do speech and noise testing. And sometimes there is not a hearing loss per se, but there can be auditory deprivation and difficulties there where we just can't process and filter through the background noise like we used to. My husband's one of those. He always jokes around with me. I'm like, I am probably your worst patient and have the most hearing loss and you don't even care. And I'm like, your hearing is well within the normal range. You just struggle to process and separate when we're in noise. So we're not going to the live music and the noisy bars downtown like we did when we were in our 20s. We're going to go more to the outdoor music festivals where you don't have those awful acoustics and we can still hear each other. Like you just change what you do as your brain processes differently. Um, So there's all sorts of different things. But yes, we'll definitely get it tested, whether it's here in Montana or we find you a different here USA office and just see what it's like. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I now you brought up another question. I got to ask though, because you're, you're like, you were saying that like with this, the processing, does that sensory processing have something to do with nerve degeneration or is it more just like, that's how you're wired. And, and if there's too much going on, it's harder for you to process with that much input going on. I mean, the long and short of it is it could be both <laughs> depending on circumstances. Um, but that is something that I have counseled on in years is you can have an auditory deprivation essentially without having a loss of your hearing. Um, I had a patient years and years ago, she was 54 at the time and she came in in tears and was like, I can't hear anything. I've had a drastic change in my hearing And it was completely within the normal range on paper, but she felt that change. Now, what I don't know is, did it go from the top of the normal range to the bottom of the normal range? If that's the case, that's a big decibel decrease. And she felt that perceived difference. And so you can have almost auditory deprivation or uh, a challenge without having a hearing loss per se on paper. And that's one of the things that like, we have always really counseled on and feel strongly about in our office because I, this is a total tangent and I'm aware of that, but I will bring it full circle. Years and years ago, I was having extreme stomach pain and I went to the doctor. I got CAT scans. I got MRIs. And they basically, after weeks of testing, told me it was all in my brain, that there was nothing wrong and all the tests come out great. It's just, you know, whatever it's in your head go home. Well, about a year later, I ended up having an emergency appendicitis on a family trip in Monroe, Washington, out of all places. And it was a horrific experience. And the surgeon there looked at me and said, have you been having issues for a long time? And I said, well, it's funny that you say that about a year, year and a half ago, I was having really bad issues And it was right before I was going to Costa Rica for two weeks and I didn't want anything to happen. And through weeks of testing, they basically said it was all in my head. And she was like, it wasn't at all. And so she said, you know, this can be not an acute thing, but it can be chronic. And all of those signs and symptoms are what we look for in our practice all the time. And I felt so validated and like, oh my gosh, the doctor that told me I was basically crazy and it was in my head. It wasn't at all like this is a normal thing she sees. She just didn't know to look for it. And so I never want to be that person with hearing. If you come in with difficulties and the paper says it's normal, we have all these conversations because you can have normal hearing, but have an auditory deprivation and not necessarily a hearing loss. And you can still benefit from hearing technology. And that sounds so um, out of practice and not what we're taught in school. And I probably will have hearing providers listen to this and call me going, what are you even saying? But we've seen it in our practice and they get good results. Um, And if that's not the route the patient chooses to take, there are other exercises that we've talked about already that we can do to help keep the brain stimulated so that we don't start to lose it more. That's cool. That's cool. There's, there's my soapbox tangent. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, it's unfortunately, I I hear that all too often. Oh, it's just in your head. And in that, that's kind of the the common bucket for when when the 
that there's not enough information or that that person has experienced. And so that's why it's so important to just keep looking, keep getting your questions answered. Um, that's so important. Gosh, Jenna, so much good stuff here. I, I am, no, I'm, I'm licensed to practice in Montana. I better get my butt out there and uh, see what's going Come on. on out. We can do some stuff and I'll drag my dad with me too, because uh, he will give everybody a good entertainment um, in the office, no doubt, because he is a trip. So perfect. we'll do something with that. And um, gosh, thanks for all the info. Thanks for helping me to remind folks how important it is to look at their hearing and do at least an annual screen, just like they would be taking care of their teeth, things of that nature. Absolutely. It was great talking. Same here. And of course, you know what? I better have you tell folks Hear USA, Kalispell, but tell, tell us the whole scoop of Hear USA so that folks can get a recap on that because I definitely want to make sure we, we put that out there. Yeah. So I work for a company called Hear USA. My location is in Kalispell, Montana, but we have providers all across the country and Canada. Um, and we basically just strive to set a level of standard in hearing health care that is not common. Um, or I shouldn't say not common. There's a lot of really good practices out there, but we strive to be on the same page company-wide to provide the same level of care, the same practices, the same processes, so that if you are being seen in Michigan and you're out in Montana visiting and you need to come to see me, it's the same level of care and patient service. Uh, so we work together as a team. We've got all the same training. And yeah, Hear USA, like I said, is just striving to set a different standard in the hearing health care and to really look at the nuances in hearing that maybe other providers don't. I love it. You guys heard it here, Hear USA. And if you're in the Kalispell area or just in Montana in general, it's a beautiful place. Cruise on through. If you're in Tacoma, where you guys all know me, it's not that far to drive to Kalispell. So nevertheless, thank you so much for coming on again, Jenna. I appreciate it. And yeah, folks, stay tuned for another episode of us figuring my hearing out. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.